Hello, James here. Welcome to Podaholics and a Doc Talk podcast spotlight with Dr. Jenna Burton giving us the gory details of having a baby girl. Now, I'm not saying that we're in the delivery room and we're going to broadcast all of that good stuff, but she remembers now some of the other stuff about having babies and the stuff you kind of forget, mostly because you're totally exhausted. It's a, it's a fun conversation. It, it really is a fun conversation. It's a podcast spotlight that's really like five spotlights, but needs to be heard. Jenna had fun talking to me about it. Here we go. This is a podcast spotlight with Dr. Jenna Burton about having a baby girl. I know. Hey, I want to get back to the sleep. And now here's, here's an interesting, cause, cause you just, you've just got your, your baby girl. You've, you've, you know, it's what two weeks is two weeks. She's two, two weeks, weeks today. Two yeah, weeks two today. Weeks, two, weeks, two weeks yesterday. So this is, this is great. Now you, how old are your boys? They're three. Yeah. So you got two, you got three year old twins and you, you've got a, a brand new, fresh out of the wrapper baby girl. And, and, you know, so you you had your children, you know, three year olds. That's only a, a short period of time. Did you forget stuff about about be you know that that whole process of being a new mom? And did stuff just kind of disappear as you were leading up to it? You know that you actually release hormones around the time of labor that actually make you forget how <laughs> unpleasant labor is. This is true, James. Really? Because the hormones make you feel relaxed. Yeah. And and, and actually do work as. Um, they have the ability basically to make you forget just how awful it is. Otherwise that people wouldn't want to have more children. Right. And I mean, first of all, I had an epidural, which was wonderful. Did it work? It worked. Oh yeah. Yeah. It it worked to treat, but for quite a number of hours, they kept saying, are you sure you don't want an epidural now? And I was saying, Oh, whenever suits you. And I don't think I'd realized I was in active labor. Yeah. And when my husband arrived, cause he was watching our, our boys, when he arrived, he was like, are you okay? Because I wasn't, didn't want anything to drink. Yeah. I didn't want to touch any food. I couldn't put the television on. I couldn't read anything. I was just sat there in pain. Um, and yeah, and then when they did finally bring the epidural and they were like, look, I think you really should go for it now. It was just wonderful. And wonderful. It was ma- like magic. <laughs> look, you, and, and you're really lucky in the epidural market because one one thing is there's there's a window for those epidurals. And if you don't get in on the window, they don't work. And sometimes they just don't work at all, which is, you know, I mean, sure, they, they put it into your spine and sure it should kick in. But I, I've known people who've had epidurals and they didn't work at all. Or as I just said, they missed the window. Well, the thing is, is when you go for an epidural, you have to have a platelet check to check you've got enough platelets and that's basically affects to check your clotting is okay. So you don't get bleeds um, when the epidural is being performed. So you have to have your platelets checked. That normally takes you one and two hours to get back. And you've got to have anaesthetist availability. So, and if you get too far down the line, the contractions are so painful, you would never get a woman to sit still in order to have the epidural. Mm. And believe me, whilst I was, I was induced, I was induced three weeks early because of a few little complications. There were some women that were coming in after me and I was like, oh my gosh, they sound like they're in so much pain. They said they're too far advanced. They've missed the opportunity for the epidural. Wow. And some women just choose not to have one. You know, yeah. some women yeah. want to do it naturally or they want to try medications like pethidine or gas and air. Um, and Entonox, which is gas and air, is loads of fun, I have to say. I didn't get to try it this time, but it is <laughs> it is a fun drug, um, which you often get during the early starts of labor. And some people only use that, which, again, hats off to these people because that yeah. is a serious level of pain. It only really takes the edge off. 
Wow. This... But, but yeah, I forgot loads, James. There's loads. I mean, it's, it's like, it, in one way, it's so weird because this is my second, second, like, experience of going through sort of labor and new baby and in one way it's just so matter of fact I mean you've had two children you just kind of get on with it um there's no like this honeymoon period it's just like right back into normal life but with the addition of an extra body and on the other hand it's like goodness me I, I totally forgot I need bibs I totally forgot about she's got some oral thrush at the moment. I forgot about newborn oral thrush. So talk about thrush a little bit because one of my children, so so we'll back up a second. We'll we'll compare notes. One of our boys, the youngest, when we left the hospital, we had to take him back. We got out pretty early, and I know you left pretty early as well, as as soon as you could get out of the hospital. My wife was the same. And one of our boys, um, he had jaundice. We had to take him back. They had to put him under the, they had to put him under the cooker for a, for a, uh, you know, for a day. And it was a weird thing because we, we had, my wife had the child. We brought him home. He needed to go back. So we took him back and then we came home without him and left him in the hospital for about seven or eight hours and then went back. And it was like, oh, it was, it's not that it was a bad thing, but it was like, we got eight hours to get some sleep and then, <laughs> then we get back into it. We, we actually had a very similar experience, James. So um, my daughter's name is Neve, and she was borderline jaundice. And the problem was is that I think the second time of having a baby, it's that balance between you've got a duty to your newborn, but you also have existing children that yeah. psychologically is it's hard for them. The fact that, one, you've gone missing. Two, because of COVID regulations, they're not allowed to visit. And three, you're going to come home with a whole new baby and turn their life upside down. And it's really hard to get that balance of wanting to do the best for both. And I knew that one of them was really struggling and he was becoming very quiet, withdrawn at home, very weepy, asking for me. Yeah. And so Eve was borderline jaundice and they wanted to keep us in for observation. And I kind of made the decision to go home and say, can I come back tomorrow morning and repeat the test? And I and they were like, oh, why do you want to faff around coming backwards and forwards? And it was hard work. You know, it's hard work to get to the hospital for like, what, half eight the, the day after you've just come home, but yeah. I did it and I had to do it the next day and the next day. Wow. Um, and I, I did it for the next few days and she remained to be borderline and, and it's passed and she's fine. So what is, um, what is jaundice, Jenna? What is, what is jaundice? Jaundice is basically, it's quite common in newborns and the more premature you are, the more likely um, you are to have jaundice. It's a buildup of bilirubin in the body, which is like what breaks down, like uh, when, when you break down blood and things like that, you get excess bilirubin. And the only way to really get rid of it is either to have phototherapy, it helps break it down and flush it out, or to just keep feeding as much as possible. So the more you pass urine, the more you pass feces, mm. you actually help to uh, excrete the bilirubin. But very common. But there's loads and loads of really common things. When, when they're tiny, they can come out in these newborn rashes that people get really frightened about, and they can look quite scary. But again, they're just they're nothing to be concerned about. People get frightened when babies come out and they look white, but that's just the vernix, which is like this waxy substance that protects the baby. Whilst basically the baby's surrounded by water, it protects the skin. Um, you've got this oral thrush, which yeah. uh, is babies through normal delivery because they collect candida through the um, the birth canal and it gets into their mouth all the way down to the anus as well uh, and can be really quite difficult to shift so we're using something called nystatin, which is like an antifungal at the moment. It's not working. We ha- we've got to get to the next step, which is the conazole. It doesn't look nice. It's like this white spotty rash in the mouth and around the lips. 
they get they get it's normally usually skin things like melia which are these little tiny like little what little clear blisters all over the skin they can get that for quite a number of years as well wow. so there's loads there's loads that that actually is not too concerning but we all get frightened about yeah and it's it's just keeping up on it isn't it I think Google's probably very heavily used in the first 10 days of uh, giving birth. <laughs> what, also, you know, let's not even forget about the minefield of, of breastfeeding and <sighs> how straightforward everybody assumes that's going to be. And it's how, how did you go with time, too? Because obviously you're, you, you, you told me you were expressing. How's the breastfeeding going? So the first time around with the boys, they were born at 36 weeks and they never latched. It just didn't even happen. And I tried every time. It was feeding and it just never worked. And they also had low blood sugar when they were born. So the first thing that happened is they were given formula as soon as they were born to try and get their sugars back up. And again, just a side effect of the level of prematurity. And the level of prematurity with twins is a little bit higher because they, they, they're they not as developed as um, as a normal baby would be, as a singleton pregnancy. So there was that. Um, and I just assumed that when you have a single baby, it would be a lot easier. And that the only reason I failed was because I had twins. Mm. So Neve was born at 37 weeks. So a week later, definitely latched on a lot easier, but still very sleepy and just not eating. Didn't pass urine for 24 hours. Wow. Trying to get rid of this jaundice. Um, so I expressed and tried it with a bottle and she just downed it. I mean, she guzzled, okay. guzzled it away. And then we've just never really been able to get back onto the breastfeeding. And from a, a personal perspective, what I found difficult as well is it kind of pol- breastfeeding polarized me and my husband. Mm. So I was with the baby. He was with the boys. And I found that quite difficult to tolerate too. Mm. So as much as expressing, is it's not as good. The milk can't respond to the baby's needs when you're expressing. It's a pain. It takes double the amount of time sometimes because you've got to express and feed the baby it's kind of sort of working for us at the moment and um and i i kind of feel like we kind of got best of both my husband can give a bottle i can feed um she's still getting breast milk albeit not as good as if it was direct yeah Uh, and i still get to have time with my with my boys but it's not ideal and i'm and i there's like this awful sense of failure i think when women struggle to breastfeed i mean that's a big one isn't it and and I, 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 why do you think that is? Do you think it's just because it, we're, 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 we're programmed to think that, hey, you're born, you're, you're a woman, you have breasts, they do excrete milk, and they're for the child, it should, everyone should know how to do it, it should just work, it should just happen. Do you think that's the problem? I think generally all mums want the best for their children. Mm. It's an innate thing that you know it's there as soon as these children are born your job is to protect them and you don't even know these children when they first come but yet you instantly love them you instantly want to protect them and so part of that protection is wanting to give them the best start and it is hammered into us and rightly so from the media from healthcare professionals including myself that breast is best and I wrote actually a blog a few months ago called breast is best but ultimately just feed your children yeah and it's because (laughs) for I read a statistic where I think 70% of mums try to breastfeed, but after about two weeks, it drops down to something like 40 or 30% because so many people struggle. And there are lactation consultants, there are people that are there to support you, 
but at the same time they're not there for every single feed and sometimes you can be successful when they're with you and then when you leave them and in the middle of the night all goes wrong and it's it's heartbreaking to see your child frustrated and hungry and you're frustrated because you're trying to feed them and they're screaming crying and I think eventually um everyone's got their line where they feel like I I just can't do this anymore it's not Mm. working and it does it feels like you've let your baby down you've let yourself down as as a woman as as a mother um but ultimately, it's the case that you have got to feed your child. And if you've got a premature baby or a baby that's not latching or you've got sometimes women have got inverted nipples and they don't latch on properly, it can be really, really difficult. And I honestly, James, I, again, this time round, I didn't get a bottle. I had no formula in. I had nothing. I didn't have an expressing machine. I just assumed it would work yeah. and it didn't. And I'm only two weeks in and I'm already now, we're too late to go back really. We're kind of established on bottles. Yeah. I mean, hey, you know what? You got to do what you got to do. Like you said, the the child has to eat. You try, you do your best. And I think that that's, it's kind of one of those illusions, isn't it? That, oh, it's easy. It's going to happen. It's it's just a natural thing. It's not easy. <laughs> and, so- and we have to stop judging each other as well. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of people pass opinions or give looks when people oh, are out yeah. about. And all right, I've got express milk. Some people have got a formula for whatever reason. And at the moment, I'm in a false sense of security because my mum has been here and she's been able to help with the odd feed. How do I do it when my husband works long hours? Yeah. I don't have anyone else here helping. You know, expressing takes a lot of time. Will I be able to continue it logistically? Yeah. Is it going to be possible um, with commitments? And that's that's not including podcasts. You know, this is a fun thing to do. This is just getting out the house in the morning. Well, like, we're, um, we're only neck up. You could be expressing right now. That would be okay. I don't have I, a problem. I almost did. To be honest, I was so <laughs> close to not being ready before I did consider having to do it. <laughs> Look, it, it wouldn't be far off. I, I still have, have vivid memories of one of my early radio shows on Dubai Eye. We were at Maktoum Bridge and we were doing, it was, and I remember it was Ramadan. We were doing a Ramadan show, Al Fajr Properties. They had some, some Ramadan stuff and this family comes in with a newborn and they're talking, talking, talking and the lady, you know, whips up her top and she starts feeding the baby and I'm sitting there going, okay. <laughs> and, and you know, it was just kind of like, okay, I'm okay. You're okay. And we just kept going. Right. But it's, it's that judging thing that you're talking. And I think to me, that's the, that's probably one of the really ongoing challenges of parenting. And it's an ongoing challenge for the new parent. And it's an ongoing challenge for everyone else to not judge other people for how they're doing their job, you know, and you've hit the nail on the head. So, I mean, you can see why you're a professor. Um, I mean, it's it's so true. Where here we are talking about how people are judging for the fact that there might be mothers that aren't breastfeeding. You've just raised a mother was breastfeeding, but potentially doing it a bit too publicly. Yeah. And therefore, again, we've got judgment creeping in. Then it comes on to like behaviour, whether. <laughs> I mean, people are so quick to judge on behavior. I've seen people look at each other when maybe one of my boys has misbehaved. But then at other times, people are like, why are your children so well behaved when mine are being so naughty? They're all naughty at different times. Children are meant to push the limits and discover their boundaries. But yet people love to judge one another. Uh, And it's so true. We're, We're really quick to to pass our own opinions when children are children. And we, as you say, it's all about kind of survival. And at the end of the day, you just want healthy, happy children that uh, are going to be quite respectful to, um, to other people in their society. And that's, that's kind of it. 
Did, did, you know, Google, as much as, as you said, is very useful in that first part of having, I, I sometimes wonder if Google leads us down a little bit of the garden path as well and, and false sense of security or, you know, they'll throw up the stats depending on the site you're looking at and, and also could then make you feel bad about what you're doing. Well, you know, 70% of women can breastfeed. It's like, what? I'm not, I, so the only 25 can't so that I'm in a minority here. And, oh man, you know, I get worried about that, this, and you know, it doesn't seem to get easier once you've had more children either. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's true for children, but that's true for everything in life, isn't it? You know, now we've got access to the internet. All we do is spend our time comparing ourselves to each other, yeah. to people that are posting on the days that they feel good and not on the days that they feel bad. And there's the odd, really great role model out there because the, there's um, the other thing of a woman getting her body back like as quickly as possible as bringing back after having a baby. And there's a really great uh, Australian lady, I may have mentioned her before, called Emily Skye. And she's a fitness physique model, um, fitness instructor. And she's had a really honest and open postpartum journey. And I, I really advise people to check her out. And especially if you want to feel better because she's very real she showed her stomach the day after she delivered she's continued to show her stomach as she gets sort of leaner and on her journey back to fitness but she's just been open and honest and i don't think many people are like that and i think we could do with with more of that really yeah so how how about how about yourself with the everything coming back to normal how 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 are you dealing with that because i mean that's one of the other things right we there's a I mean, we, it's, it's funny. I always find because we live in this, this very, very focused body image world where this is what you got to look like. And, you know, you just had a baby. I mean, there's going to be some stretch. There's going to be lots of things going on that, and that's just the physical stuff. Forget about the mental stuff, but how, how, uh, how are you dealing with all that? As you said, with the lady from Australia, it, you know, it's stressful because, you don't necessarily like what you see in the mirror. Yeah. And, you know, I started training very gently just recently. And, and to be honest, really, I should you should wait six weeks. I'm only two weeks in and I started the other day. Just very, very gentle. And because I felt ready, it was my yeah. second pregnancy. I recovered very quickly. So I, I decided to just sort of gently involve myself. What's what's um, what's gentle what's gentle exercise for you? What is what is what is that? Uh, well, I did some stretching and okay. I started doing some very light weights oh, nice. and just more support mobility. And then today it'll be like a hit workout. Um, so it'll be like a mixture of just some light weights, stretching and, um, uh, and some cardio. But obviously, you know, you've got to get the pelvic floor back in. You've got to remember that you don't really have a core yet. You know, everything yeah. has split and separated. You've got to really wait for everything to go back together. And it's hence why they usually say go six weeks for a review by your obstetrician tell you that you're ready to go um and i i spoke to my obstetrician we decided that because i did recover pretty much you know very quickly to go slow be sensible all your ligaments are all still stretched i know you you know you're really at risk of injury so you've got to be very very careful um but you know it's still stressful the only compensation is that you're so busy you don't really have time to dedicate to stressing about it too much so the, I remember someone saying when I had my twins, it's just relentless. And it is. It's a relentless treadmill of feeding nappies and um, trying to juggle, as I say, other children as well. And luckily, you just don't really get the time to focus on it. But, you know, especially in this region, people like to make comments as well. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but 
you know, different cultures find it acceptable to say different things. In the UK, you would never say, oh my goodness, you put on weight whilst you were pregnant. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. And, and people, I've experienced that throughout being in Dubai, you know, your weight changes ever so slightly. People are really quick to comment and yeah. it can make you feel very exposed and, and not particularly nice about yourself. Yeah. I, I mean, I actually want to stay on that one for just a second because I, I, you know, guys kind of forget and, and maybe they're not really attached to all of this. I mean, yeah, sure. We're, you know, we're there as, as part of the family process, but all of the physiological stuff that's going on for you now, I mean, two weeks is not a lot. As you said, you got ligaments that have stretched and they're soft. You've got no core or you're rebuilding that core. I mean, those are kind of things you kind of go, what's that? African tribal boots, James. <laughs> like they're, <laughs> they're very big, heavy, and they graze my knee. Man, you see, you don't, and I mean, that's a whole bunch of weight that you're carrying now, upper body. I mean, those are all, you start putting that all together, and it's like, I can't relate. And then, but in the, in the same process, you've got to do all these other stuff. Sorry, go on, James, say that again. No, but so in the process of all this stuff, and you're now still at home with your, your baby. You're still at home with the boys. You're doing stuff. You got you to think about as well. I mean, this is, it's huge. You're at the back of the queue. I think that's, that's the mm. thing. And, you know, I tried to make myself feel good yesterday. I put some fake tan on and I forgot. <laughs> what, that spray when, tan? <laughs> so I, put my, I put my spray tan on, but I forgot that the milk's leaking. <laughs> No. And then when I'm expressing, I had a white T-shirt on. And the next minute, there's patches of fake tan all over my white T-shirt because as I was expressing and milk would maybe drop and leak, the tan would come off onto my T-shirt. And I was like, oh, my God, I look like I'm unowned. I look homeless. You know, and it's um, there's nothing about you that is particularly glamorous or anything in these first few weeks. And it is hard because ultimately your husband's like, great now you've had a baby, let's go out for dinner, let's do something between the two of us. Yeah. But then I also have two children, one of whom is particularly sensitive and is struggling a little bit with the process and I'm uncomfortable to leave him because I feel, um, yesterday I mentioned going out for one hour um, and he just absolutely freaked out and was hysterical crying because he thought I was going to go back to the hospital and stay for a few nights. Uh-huh. And it's it's really hard. You feel like you're being pulled in every single direction of this husband wants his wife back. These children want this mum that's still dedicated to them. And then this baby that is relentlessly crying for attention. And yeah, your hormones are blooming everywhere. So one minute I feel like um, it's calming down now. But in the first few days you get the baby blues and you feel like you could look at your children and cry just how lucky you are and how much you love them. But then the next minute you feel like you could just cry because my mum's going to go home or uh, about absolutely nothing at all, to be honest. Um, And you've got these huge hormonal shifts and it is, it's quite a a challenging time. You you should watch the, uh, there's an interview with Meghan Markle and she was quite raw about those early sort of few weeks months of of having a baby i mean as a, as a husband I, I with with my own wife i always worried about postpartum depression and yeah. fortunately it you know things just worked out okay but i've i've known other folks who've talked about the fact that they've been you know as megan markle was talking about you know depression's big and it's those hormones and working with it and and when you're feeling you know like, i don't even want this baby at this moment and you're not supposed to feel like that right it's like that's the judgment comes back in well a good mother is going to do it's like you know postpartum depression is i think one of the most scary mental health issues i've ever witnessed when i was in intensive care we saw a lot of mothers with some quite severe suicide attempts um, wow. and often they 
often they were successful. And I think what happens is that you can have somebody that has never had a history of mental illness that totally goes completely off the rails and it happens very quickly. People don't always see it. Their mothers try and hide it because they feel guilty for feeling the way that they feel. They should feel on top of the world for having this new baby. And they, they don't necessarily feel that way because mm. maybe they weren't expecting it to be so so tying. They lose their independence. Um, and it's hard and they're tired. And all these hormone shifts, uh, which is one of the largest, if not the largest driver for postpartum depression and the fact that it can last up to a year. And I think a lot of... A year? Yeah, you you can still get postpartum depression at nine months, 10 months. It can hit at any time. Holy it was something Lord. I really worried about actually for my first pregnancy, probably because I've seen so much of it and saw how scary it can be. And mum's saying things like, I, I thought if I just let my child roll down the hill, what would would it really be a bad thing? Or maybe I should just drop my child. They say some really quite... Mm-hmm some dark things um, about how they, they, they want the, the child or why did I really want this in my life? Um, and I think friends and family have really got to be on the lookout because if you, you do see a friend or family member that you think might be suffering with postpartum depression, get intervention very quick um, because it, it can spiral out of control very quickly. Not for everybody, but for those ones that do, it, it comes and it can, it, boom, it's, uh, it can be quite severe quite quick. I, I did, you know, it's sort of a, a somewhat related statistic, not really, but somewhat is it's there a were made up statistic, James. Well, I think that's it, it, it's your, not a number. It's it's an observation that I heard from ER doctors and during during this COVID thing with with new parents and the number of children coming in to ER with head injuries that are clearly happening mm-hmm. because of. You know, not being able to get together with a lot of other parents, not to be able to get into the kids groups and trying to deal with stuff. And, you know, it's not an extraordinary number, but it was it was a noticeable increase in these these infants coming in with with issues, which might be be heading down towards what you're talking about. But yeah, you do. You get sadly quite a lot of non-accidental injury. And it's something that doctors in emergency departments and pediatricians are trained to look out for. Um, like shaken baby syndrome, mm. etc., where people are shaking the baby, and and you know you've got to remember people are just so sleep deprived uh, that their anger can build up inside, and they channel it at this child, and you know you can't be afraid if you feel like you know you want to start hurting your child, and it is something that people are often thought think about before they do it that it's okay to talk to and and to verbalize and tell people that that's how you're feeling yeah and that's a hard one to to say those things to someone it's you know again weakness uh, someone's going to judge me and it's like hey you know what if you need to talk it out talk it out it's 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 natural it happens i've got a great question that you know you as you said you've got your two boys they're both very different in their personalities. Now you've brought Neve into the house. What what kind of strategies did you start thinking about with introduction of the third sibling? How how was that going? Well, I was. I, I mean, I did quite a lot of reading about this beforehand because I'm sort of terrified of the thoughts that they would feel pushed out at all. So I had read about you know making sure that you include them, include them in picking names, include them. They came to an awful lot of scans even though some of the doctors maybe didn't really want them there because they had a little bit of turbulence. They, they did. They came to some of the scans. Some of the doctors were really great, let them hold the scanner and whatever, and they cool. were like, that's the baby in your tummy. We were lucky that a few friends had just recently had babies, and it was like, look, here's Alfie's baby. 
Um, he is Buddy's baby. You know, you're getting a baby. So they kind of, they had... Um, you have a friend named Buddy. Yeah, yeah I have. So my friend's got um, three children with awesome names. They're called uh, Indigo, Buddy, and Rocco, which I think is nice. super cool. Much, much cooler than our names. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that helped. You can also get books, which we never used because we had friends that had mm. babies. So they sort of understood but you can get books where you read about having a sibling into the house. Yeah. And I also spoke to the nursery to say, look, please look out for any behavior changes. If you can get them excited as possible about it, that's great. And then the number one thing that I was told is make sure you get a gift for them. A the gift? Yes. Yeah, so the first time you, they meet the baby, you shouldn't be holding them. So I gave the baby to my mum and I ran up to them to make a fuss of them and then I took them over to meet the baby and then I um, we gave them a gift and one of my boys was just so excited that it meant I could now go on the slides and stay and play <laughs> so I had no baby it was literally the first thing he said is now mommy you can go on the slides now the baby's out um, and I think those things help James but ultimately it hasn't stopped one of them feels comfortable the other one has definitely been very clingy and very needy mm. uh, and I think that's actually more a byproduct of me going away all of a sudden to the hospital because we didn't have any notice. I had some more bleeding. I had to go to hospital. It was quite sudden. Um, and we didn't have anyone here to look after them. So we had to call upon friends who don't normally look after them. So it was a huge change in their routine. Yeah. And it exactly what I didn't want, but it was sadly unavoidable. So I think it was more that than the baby because they seem to, they kiss her, they read a little stories and yeah. they're sort of as much as possible was, but surely these are the same things that you did if you can remember back all that time ago <laughs> yeah you know what it's funny because i just don't remember i just don't remember what we did i mean i remember our, our, our oldest coming to the hospital and and stuff but I, I you know and we did have family who could come and and, and take care while we were in there really quickly but I don't, I don't remember all of that process. I, you know, I remember the jumping thing and I remember the oldest pushing, but that was a little bit older with the baby. I just, I just, you know, the, those first sort of nine months with, with the, with the young child, that, that baby and my older son, I don't remember the interaction at all. Like, so that's maybe good. It, it must've been an okay interaction, but I, I just don't remember at all. It's kind of weird. I think sleep deprivation does that to you, James. Uh, <laughs> I, I look, I look back, and I don't remember the first six months of the boys being born. Really, yeah. So like, I remember we were in a different house, and I, I don't really remember much about being in that house because I think it's just oh, I didn't sleep. Yeah. So especially with the two of them, and they never slept at the same time. They really were quite mean and coordinated. It so there's always someone awake, and I think that's why a lot of people do. You forget, don't you? And time moves so quickly. 